0: Hi, and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick, and I'm the owner and head coach at Straight Shot Training. So I recently asked on Instagram for any questions that anybody had regarding fitness, nutrition, health, training, the Straight Shot program, whatever they had. I just put out an Ask Me Anything on Instagram stories, and I got these four questions back. Actually, three of them came from Instagram One of them came from one of my clients who is older and doesn't have Instagram, but she asked me a question in a session, and I thought I would include it in today's podcast. So we're going to start right off with Josh's question. Josh asked, how do you manage nutrition when traveling, which Josh has to travel a lot for his work, uh, and was asking because he has different goals than other people might have. So he's on the Straight Shot Strongman program. He's going to have to get in a lot of calories in order to keep his muscle mass up. So he's trying to eat as much as possible on the road, but obviously make sure it's you know foods that his body needs, that he's getting enough carbs, fats, and proteins to fuel his training sessions. Other people ask me a lot about eating healthy while traveling because they might be trying to lose weight and it's easy to overeat when you eat out or when you're just packing snacks or things like that that you typically get when you're traveling so uh, the first thing is you know it really depends on your goals first of all so if you are trying let's we're looking at two different ways we'll go from it from trying to lose weight and trying to um, maintain a high level of mass or even gain weight so from a losing weight standpoint. You want to try to keep your calories near where they're at whenever you are doing whatever your diet is when you're home, but understand that traveling is going to throw things off. So you're going to have to be a little bit flexible, which is why I like flexible dieting where you know what your calories are, you know what your carbs, your fat, and your protein is for the day. And as long as you hit those numbers, it doesn't matter so much where those foods come from. Obviously, you want to try to make sure that you're getting enough fiber and you're hitting all of your micronutrients, all of your vitamins and minerals, making sure you get enough water, trying to get plenty of of whole foods, fresh fruits and vegetables, things like that. It's hard to do that when you're traveling. So uh, I always like to get some type of fat source, some type of protein source, and some type of uh, fruit or vegetable source that packs easily so for protein we're talking like beef jerky and protein bars Mm -hmm. protein shakes things like that uh when it comes to uh, a fat source nuts are great uh it's kind of hard to um uh pack like avocados and things like that so uh, i don't eat a ton of nuts normally during the week but whenever i'm traveling i'll eat more of them just as a good fat source and then uh for fruits and vegetables baby food, just like the squeeze pouches of baby food are great because they have almost a full day's worth of vitamin A, pretty much a full day's worth of vitamin C just in one or two of those pouches. So just make sure you get the ones with vegetables in them. So like uh, the broccoli pear spinach one has a lot of vitamins in it. Uh, you, You can get them for like 79 cents at Aldi too. So Josh, you might have to eat baby food while I'm on a strongman program, which I know seems counterintuitive, but so that just kind of takes care of make sure you get enough protein, make sure you get your healthy fats, make sure that you get enough micronutrients. Uh, but it's really easy to find carbs. That's why I didn't say pack a carb source. Cause you can pretty much find carbs just about anywhere. Uh, anytime you stop in a place that has fresh fruit you can get fresh fruit while you're there, uh, it's easy to pack, you know, uh, granola bars or like a, uh, a cliff bar, something like that. They're packed with, with carbohydrates. And whenever you're trying to keep your muscle mass up, you need enough carbohydrates for that. But you also need to make sure your fat stays up for hormone production, and of course you need to keep your protein up to help with muscle repair. So that would be if you're if you were gaining weight, I would try to or gaining weight or trying to maintain a lot of muscle mass, I would make sure you pack enough things to hit your micronutrients. So you know baby food or um, I'm trying to think of. This. Not really sure how else to get in vitamins and minerals other than getting fresh fruits and vegetables wherever you stop. But just try to get some type of produce in at most of your meals when you're traveling. Whether that's through like pouches of baby food or at a uh, a restaurant if you stop to eat, just try to get some vegetables in while you're there. Uh, I think a lot of people overlook micronutrients when they're trying to gain weight, and they can end up with other health problems while on their way to gaining a lot of mass. But you just have to get a lot of calories in when you're trying to maintain mass or uh, while you're training a lot and when you're trying to gain weight. So, I mean, obviously stopping and, and getting food, uh, just make sure that you are trying to keep things pretty close to what you are be eating at home. So don't turn your uh, your goal of you know gaining some muscle mass or maintaining some muscle mass, don't turn that into like this dirty bulk cycle where you just hit McDonald's at every stop that you get while you're traveling because uh, that's going to derail your training program as well. So... Uh, and the, in terms of losing weight, it's not just like you start packing more because you want to try to eat out less when you're traveling. So same deal, packing the protein bars and the uh, nuts and the, if you're packing baby food or fresh fruits and vegetables that will last you a couple of days or something while you're traveling. And then try to pack some more uh, healthier choices for your carbohydrate choices so that you don't have to eat out quite so much. So I will pack uh, oatmeal. So if I stay in a hotel and they have uh, a microwave in the room, I can make breakfast in there. You can also take, uh, you can get eggs when you stop somewhere. You can go out and get eggs at the grocery store. You can microwave the eggs uh, in a cup. Uh, If you do like a a hotel that has a breakfast there, try to keep your breakfast similar to what it is when you're home. So obviously they have a ton of good stuff there. If you're used to eating oatmeal and eggs or fruit and eggs, something like that for breakfast, try to eat that when you're at the hotel. So just try to make it close to what your diet is at home. Obviously, the calories are going to be a little bit off because you don't know everything that's going into it, like you would if you're weighing and measuring your food at home. But it's going to give you a rough, uh, rough uh, comparison to your diet at home. Overpack. It's is better to have too much healthy food on hand than it would be to run out of food while you're traveling and have to stop and just get a bunch of stuff or eating out at fast food restaurants because the calories can pile up so fast there. If you eat like a, a lower sugar protein bar and a quarter cup of almonds and an apple and a banana, that's still going to be, you know. so it seems like a lot of food, that's still going to be less calories than would be in one sandwich from McDonald's. And you got all of that food in. So it's just a better way to stay on track if you can pack enough food with you. So uh, Josh, hopefully that answers your question here. Uh, Moving on to Andrew's question. Andrew asks, how often do you switch out the main movements in your workouts? So what Andrew means is, if you are used to you doing squat on your leg day, deadlift on like your back day or another leg day, and bench press, and then overhead press. We do variations of those four lifts a lot in straight shot. How, he wants to know how often do you switch out those movements. So when do you switch to a box squat? When do you switch to a uh, block pull or a rack pull and deadlift? When do you switch to a close grip bench press or a floor press? When do you switch to a push press from a strict press? So. We switch up the repetitions a lot every six weeks on the straight shot training program. In straight shot strongman, since the repetitions, I mean, they switch up a lot, but not as much as the regular straight shot program because with regular straight shot, we're doing times where we focus on stability, times where we focus on work capacity, times where we focus on hypertrophy, times when we focus on strength, and times when we focus on power. Whereas with the straight shot strongman program, we're typically focusing on hypertrophy maximal strength most of all and some power. So with that program there's going to be less change up of the repetitions. If you have less changing of the repetitions, then you want to have more changing of the lifts just to make sure that people don't get into like a like a movement fatigue or technique fatigue where they they're just the same movement that they're doing, they get to a, a point where it's just not moving. The weight's just not moving and they start seeing their lifts go down or lifts are stuck. It's time to switch something up. And I like to switch things up before they get stuck. So how often? We change up the movements or the, the repetitions every six weeks. And a lot of times the movements change with that. We recently had a big shift where we went from uh, doing squat, bench, deadlift, and overhead press every week to now we're doing a variation of every lift, a different one every week for the next six weeks. So that's one way of switching it up. Uh, Ways to switch it up would be changing the range of motion, changing the velocity, so moving the weight faster, changing the implements, you could change from a bar to a dumbbell, uh, but you're still basically moving in the same uh, motion. A shoulder press with dumbbells or a bar or a push press are all similar overhead pressing movements, but they're slightly different, so it's going to challenge your... Uh, both your muscles and your nervous system in a different way to maybe help you break through those plateaus. So I'm a bigger fan of switching things before you think you're going to be running your head into a wall and not getting past whatever uh, movement you're stuck on. Another reason to change up movements uh, is for blocking movement. Blocking movement is where you make it so your body can't physically do it wrong. So sometimes if you get into, let's say with an overhead press, and you have a, a problem with maybe twisting to one side or leaning back way, way too far, or just not staying stable. You're, you're not, um, you're not grounding yourself well with your feet. You're kind of leaning back all over the, leaning forward and backwards all over the place while you're pressing overhead. A way to block your movement to make yourself press in a better line straight overhead is to do a seated shoulder press with a barbell with uh, a bench that has a back um, high enough to be able to support your back on. So then you have to, you only can use your arms to press straight overhead in a straight path, so when you go back to a standing overhead press, you're probably going to have better form with that. Uh, Same thing with with squats, if you're totally just losing it when you hit the bottom of your squat and you have no tension coming up, maybe you need to do a pause squat or a front squat or a low box squat, something like that. I mean, We've talked before, back whenever John Taylor and I did the Love Letters to Lifts episode, uh, this was over a year ago that we did that. And we talked about all the variations and why we use them. Um, yeah, there's tons of different variations to use. It's just if you're switching up things too much, and you never see progress, that's a problem. But if you don't switch things up enough, you're not you're going to see some progress, but then it's going to stop. So it's, it's finding that fine line. I like changing things up a good bit every six weeks. And uh, every once in a while within those six-week cycles, we'll change up the movements weekly uh, just to really switch things up and hit a movement from all the possible angles we can to try to get better at it. All right, Gina asks, why am I always sore after workouts? So uh, Gina is one of the uh, clients I train middays here at the Y, and she's been training with me for a few months and is making a lot of progress, but she's still getting sore after workouts, still getting really sore, um, especially after leg workouts. So the reason why you get sore typically is you do something different by doing something heavier. You had a larger range of motion or a different range of motion. You uh, went slower. You went faster. Uh, You did more repetitions. You did more sets. You had less rest periods. Anything that's going to increase the intensity of an exercise or the range of motion is going to make it more likely to make you sore. Now, if you stay hydrated enough and if you're moving a good bit on your off days, you shouldn't be as sore as you were like when you first started working out. But, I mean, like I did something different yesterday with my squats, my front squats, and I really cut down my rest periods and did a little bit more repetitions. And like it, it feels like I'm just learning how to walk today. Like if you to see me walking up and down the stairs here, I'm like asking elderly members to give me a piggyback ride the rest of the way up the stairs it hurts so bad so you do something really different it can feel like the first time you've lifted but once you've been training for a while you shouldn't be getting sore like you did when you first started otherwise you might be going too hard and you might not be recovering enough so if you're getting sore you've been training for a while meaning like let's say more than a year and you're still getting sore almost like like you can't move for three days afterwards something's up. You're probably doing too much volume, meaning too many sets, too many reps, maybe too many exercises. You need to cut back a little bit on the volume how much total work you're doing. You might need to um, look at what exercises really make you sore and especially cut down on those. Bulgarian split squats make me super sore um, and t- super high rep pull-ups or lat pull-downs make me really sore. So I know that those are the movements that if I want to feel good the next day and have another, a good workout the next day, then I need to Go a little bit easier on those workouts, or sorry, those exercises. Uh, so that would be just modifying the workout. If you keep your workouts the same, you might need to modify your sleep. You might need to sleep more. Uh, maybe you're not sleeping deep enough. Uh, we have the whole episode on sleep hygiene. Maybe you need to address the quality of your sleep from that angle. Uh, if you don't have your nutrition and your hydration in check, it's gonna it's gonna hamper your um, your ability to recover. This is why we like. Uh, we we like our our clients to eat. We we I've worked, talked to several clients recently that I've told them you have got to start eating more, uh, more carbs, more fat, more protein, everything, more everything after their workouts just because they're not recovering well enough because their body doesn't have anything to rebuild them with. So look at your nutrition, your hydration, your sleep. Look at your workouts, uh, and then if you're if once you've addressed all of those, if you're still getting really sore, then you probably need to maybe think about working out less total times during the week. Maybe take out one of those lifting days and then try to do something light, uh, like a light bike ride or elliptical, something to give you some active recovery, uh, and then gradually build it back in uh, build that day back in by starting with like less time, less total exercises, less total reps uh, to make sure your body recovers. But yeah, if you're still getting really sore after you've been training for a while, um, you need to address the, the total volume. So what I did with Gina is whenever she told me that she was still getting sores, we adjusted the volume by instead of doing three sets on exercises, we just did two. And I gave, so then that gave us more time in our session so we could take longer rest breaks in between our, session, in between our exercises. Uh, and that seemed to really help, and she got less sore after that. So um, it could be something as simple as just, just dialing down on how many sets you do in a workout. All right, our last question here comes from Sarah. Sarah asks, what is the best way to cut body fat? Two part question. Best way to cut body fat, intermittent fasting or cutting calories or something else? So the best way is also the only way to cut body fat, and that's a caloric deficit. You have to be eating less calories than your body is using to perform your daily activities. That includes exercise. How you want to do that is up to you. If you want to do that with intermittent fasting, meaning you only eat in an 8-hour window and then you don't eat for 16 hours, the reason why it works is because you're cutting calories. There's no magic behind it. The study's done on... Uh, the hormone changes during it, the uh, percentage of uh, body fat to muscle mass loss, everything was pretty much the same as if a person had just done a regular diet. The thing that separated intermittent fasting from a regular diet was that people had trouble, uh, they had more trouble sticking with it than someone who's on a regular diet. However, if you feel like the best way for you to cut calories is to only eat an eight hour window, as long as you're, if you require 2,000 calories and you only eat 1,800, a day you're going to lose weight whether you eat that 1800 in eight hours or whether you spread it out over the 16 that you're awake doesn't matter as long as you create a caloric deficit so for some people they swear by intermittent fasting if you lose weight and you're feeling good and you have good performance in the gym which is my little extra thing in here um, then good for you keep going with it uh, same thing with keto the only reason it works is because you're in a caloric deficit if you cut out all carbohydrates you're going to have to eat less total calories. This is how it works. If you require 2,000 calories and you go keto, meaning no carbohydrates or less than 20 grams of carbohydrates per day, and you still and you start eating 3,000 calories, I promise you, you will gain weight. That's just how it works. If you eat more than you need, doesn't matter where it comes from, your body will be able to convert that into body fat. It's pretty good at storing things. Our bodies are kind of designed to store things in case we need them in the future. Uh, in like starvation mode. Of course, we are really never in starvation mode now uh, in our societies, but that's just how our body works. My problem with intermittent fasting, with keto and these these other, I would consider them fat diets, is that the effect that it has on people's performance, to me, because I'm so much more concerned about what people can do over what people look like. and if so, And I think health is tied to that. So if you have... Good lift numbers, and you also have decent, you know, times with running and rowing or whatever the cardio uh, modality you prefer to use. And you have good mobility, and you have good recovery. Chances are your blood pressure is going to be good, your body fat's going to be good, your blood lipid numbers are going to be good, your stress management is going to be good because you recover well, and you're going to be a healthy person. But it's because you chased performance in the gym. When you chase performance, typically health go goal, health goals. Uh, that you might have for yourself or their health markers will come along with that. Now I will say you can chase goals of being world's strongest man and go on steroids and do some other unhealthy things. And it's definitely not going to make you a healthier person. So I'm talking about just for the average person chasing strength, mobility, stability, uh, speed, quickness, agility, like those, main, those basic uh, components of fitness that we've talked about over and over again in the podcast, if you're chasing after those things and you're eating and sleeping and doing things you need to do to make those, uh, those markers go up, your health markers are going to go up as well. The problem I have with fad diets is the hit that it takes to people's performance. I have clients who have tried keto and they can't make it through a half hour workout because your body... Whenever it's doing any type of high-intensity exercise, like lifting, it runs off of glucose. Which is a carbohydrate. Your body can convert fat into glucose, but it takes so long to do that, and it's such a, a um, And it's not as high-octane of a fuel as carbohydrates. It takes so long for that process to happen that fat's much better for like endurance activities or long bike rides, things like that. You can actually perform pretty well on just fat uh, if you're a distance runner or a distance cyclist, but when it comes to lifting weights. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why the world's strongest man is not doing keto. So, I'll, so I'll, yeah, I'll get off the keto thing. We can have a whole episode on this probably. Um, the same thing with intermittent fasting. I have clients who come to me, they're in the middle of a fast, and they want to train during their fasting period. Well, you're going to have no energy. You're going to you know, pass out halfway through your workout. We keep candy in the office for people who don't eat enough carbohydrates because we have to give them lollipops to make it through a half-hour session. I mean, that's you should be able to make it through a half-hour of working out with me. I have plenty of people that do it on a daily basis. And I'm not like destroying people. It's just you have no fuel to run on. Of course you're going to hit empty. So when it comes to your diet, you have to be in a caloric deficit to lose weight. How you want to do that is up to you. But understand that certain diets are going to help you in the gym and certain diets are going to hurt you in the gym. Diet that's going to help you in the gym, moderation. Carbs, fat, Protein, get it from different sources. Stay hydrated. Try to get you know plenty of produce throughout the day. Make sure you get your micronutrients, your vitamins, your minerals, and try to manage your stress by sleeping enough. And you're gonna have good numbers in the gym. If your diet is cutting out certain things, you're gonna miss out on micronutrients. Uh, if your diet is something where it's starting to stress you out because you're so concerned about possibly eating a carbohydrate or when you're going to get to eat again because you're fasting and those are going to raise your stress levels. That's not a sustainable diet. It's not healthy and it's not even great psychologically if you're that concerned about the things that you're eating. So uh, best way, Sarah, uh, you got to be in a caloric deficit to cut body fat. Now that's the diet portion of it. If you're trying to cut body fat, the big thing here though, is don't worry so much about cardio and focus on strength training. So strength training builds muscle. Cardio doesn't. When you are losing weight, you want to do things that build muscle to try to help your body maintain the muscle mass it does have. And then your caloric deficit will help you lose the body fat. You can do some cardio here and there. Obviously, we do cardio with a straight shot training program as, um, for performance. We want to make sure other people are you know, fast and agile and quick and have some level of endurance just to be well-rounded athletes. But if you don't like doing cardio, you don't have to do it. It's not going to help you lose weight like people think it is. It's more about the diet section of that. Cool. So I've got a jump. I've got a client coming up in like two minutes, but I was glad I was was actually chilling out in the uh, massage therapy room at the Y here. That's why it's kind of quiet, but also kind of noisy when people slam doors. Uh, But yeah, so I was able to sneak this in today. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to check out Straight Shot Training, straightshottraining.com is our website. You can see details about the Straight Shot Training program there. It does come with a nutritional protocol if you want to check that out. You can also look at our Strongman program, Straight Shot Strongman. That's headed up by Coach Andrew Presnell, which we're going to have him on sometime soon in the podcast. We almost were able to do it today, but he has a session he's in right now. Uh, but if you're looking into getting strong or getting into Strongman or you're currently in Strongman, you got to check that program out. Um, it's It's... Andrew's been doing an awesome job with it. It is a, a brutally effective program. Uh, people are getting super strong on it, and the workouts and the numbers and stuff that they're putting up are just crazy. Uh, also, stickers are coming soon. Uh, stickers are going out to Straight Shot Subscribers. They're cool Straight Shot Stickers that uh, Rachel just had made, uh, my wife who does all of our graphic design. And we're getting those out to the subscribers now. So if you're subscribed and you're listening, we're working on mailing those out to you, and we'll have them up on the website available for sale soon. Uh, if you want to check us out on social media, the handle is at straight shot training. And, uh, if you want to drop us a a question for the future podcast, you can do that on any social media platform and we'll try to get that in next time we do one of these. So thanks again and have a great week, everybody.